Um, no. Ah, much better. Now, get ready for an uncivilized discussion about faith. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Barbarian, Barbarian Prophet. Hello, everyone. My name is Cody, and I'm going to be the host today as we interview the Barbarian Prophet himself. Well... Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, or whatever we are at the time you're tuning in. So, Cody, you're going to interview me today. Yep. So, people are going to learn all my deep, dark secrets? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, man. I'm ready. Ask me me any questions. What do you you want to talk about today? Well, let's start with the beginning, okay? Okay. like in the beginning God created, or what are we talking about? Which creation? What what are we talking about? So I think to give people a good idea about um, kind of how you landed in the position where you're at today. What do you mean, as a pastor? Let's go with as a pastor in a Lutheran church. Oh, good gravy. That was Jesus and Jesus alone. <laughs> Okay, so, so uh, yeah, let's just, how uh, did that happen? Well, uh, how I ended up landing here, I actually have been pastoring for a very long time. I've, uh, I worked in the oil field uh, for 35 years, and <clears throat> during that time, I actually got saved, which is well known uh, in my book. You can look it up on YouTube. You can read the book from the club to the cross, plug for the book. And uh, what ended up happening uh, is I started going to Bible college, and we'll talk about that if you want to, but I went to Bible college, and I ended up with a doctorate in theology and a secondary master's in divinity, an MDiv. So uh, how did I end up in a Lutheran church? Well, I've been in a lot of churches and done a lot of things with churches, and I've been part of Harvest Fields Ministries. Uh, since uh, I've been a pastor through them since 2008. And I was uh, at a wedding. I I went and performed a wedding for a very good friend of mine. And what ended up happening was a guy by the name of Alan uh, asked me to come and preach here at the church. And I did. And they asked me if I'd come back again. And I did. and And it turned into a thing. And the Lord told me this is where I was going to be spending the next several years, to which I went, no, I don't think so. I don't I don't speak the Lutheran language very well, and it is its own language. Yeah. And um, uh, so what ends up happening is eventually I throw my hat in the ring, and now we're working on a thing called ordination under special circumstances, where even though I am a licensed and trained uh, licensed and commissioned pastor, uh, they would like me to be ordained within the Lutheran faith to continue to stay on. Now, once I do that, I'm committed to here for at least uh, two years thereafter. They're committed to me. I'm committed to them. That was part of the agreement. Yeah. Okay. So does that answer your question? Yeah. So what has been one of the biggest challenges i mean you talked about the different language that is spoken in in the lutheran church and by language it's it's all about terminology right yeah and that would be correct yeah and 
bless you. And so, uh, you know, part of that situation with uh, <coughs> with everything there, are you going to live? Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're trying to we're trying to keep the boy alive here. Okay, so uh, language. Okay, so one of the things that happens is there is a lot of terminology use. Uh, as I went through and studied on on some of this stuff in the uh, Pentecostal flavor or non denominational, uh, which is made up of a, a collective of people, really. <laughs> now you got me doing it. So what ends up happening in that collective of people? is uh, they come to agreements, uh, not not like sitting down negotiating out. They all come to agreements on what particular phrasing means. And most of the phrasing is always changing. Does that make sense? Right. So what I mean by the, the information is, or the, the terminologies are changing, when we say certain things, Trinity, we all know what the Trinity is. It means the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It has always meant that. It's meant that for 2,000 years, okay? Um, but when we utilize something like uh, Holy Spirit-filled, what that means in one church to what it means in another church is completely different. This doesn't have anything to do with Lutheranism. This has to do with just plain Jane out there, okay? Right. You'll have some where they say uh, the only way that they know that you're filled with uh, the Holy Spirit is if you speak in tongues. You have others that say, no, you have to reflect it being um, – that he is showing you other giftings and stuff to that effect. So there does become issues there when they talk about being Holy Spirit filled. Now, uh, uh, comments that uh, uh, from the Lutheran end of things, there's a lot of phrasing they use, such as bondage of the will, mm-hmm. to where from the other end of the church they say free will. And uh, when you say free will, according to uh, outside of the Lutheran faith or outside actually heavy denominational faith, when you say free will, they mean that the only freedom that you can find is within Jesus Christ. That anything that you're doing before there, can you do good things? You can, but will you go to God? You will not. The only way you're going to come to God is if you are called by the Father and you'll come through the Son right. and you'll be guided. But one thing that definitely happens is, you know, uh, we start to take a look at the Bible all the time and try to get back to our phrasing from there. So um, you talked about, like, being called by the Father. Uh, Is there, like, a predestination, double predestination, um, election? Okay, so now we're into the Calvinist conversation or the John Knox conversation. Okay, that, that's some pretty heavy stuff. Did you ever want to knock all that down? Because, I mean, that's uh, that also becomes very, very heavy in, in theolo- theology. I don't know that right. all of our listeners would be tuned into that. But basically it would say this. You have some people that believe that predestination means that only a set number of people are selected for going to uh, uh, heaven and everybody else is condemned. And then you have another collection of people that believe um, that we're all predestined to come to Christ because he died for the everybody that sinned and that we have a choice. So the way that used to be explained by Dr. Cottle was this way. 
you see on the outside of the door predestined or you see free will you end up strolling through it and when you get on the inside it says predestination because you're choosing what he's chose for you does that make sense right okay so um other than that i don't know uh how else to tackle that without it being coming too complicated because that's deep theological talk right so lighten up there, deep theologian. <laughs> okay, so um, you're talking about spirit-filled. Spirit-filled, yeah. Okay. Do I believe the Lutheran church spirit-filled? I do. Okay. Uh, I believe that his action and our reaction to him is different than it is in other churches. Right. And I believe some of theirs is different. I mean, we just had um, River of Life Church join us over here, which was a non-denominational come and join a Lutheran North American Lutheran Church denomination and do Pentecost together. Mm-hmm. And we sang and some of them lifted their hands and we there some of their people uh sing with uh uh just jumped in and sang with the the group right. and but that we also saw that their entire church sings. I mean they are very big about all of them participating in the singing. Right. And that's a huge thing. Yeah, definitely. That is partly being spirit-filled. Okay. So do you think um, – so growing up in the Lutheran Church, I myself, I never really heard like the whole um, spirit-filled end of things from our side. Yeah, of course. Um, I heard it from the other side, but we definitely talked about being spirit-sealed. Mm. Yeah, because you're sealed at baptism. Right. We do an anointing of the child or anointing of the adult. Right. So um, explain. It does the same on the other end. Okay. So do you think that has, like, that's obviously one of the most controversial topics, right? Um, When we're talking with um, other denominations trying to work with other other non-denominational denominations, how do you see that as being a problem? Um, or how do you see that as being controversial? I don't necessarily see it as... It's just one of those things that get brought up and then um, it's it makes it difficult to integrate the way we integrated with River. Okay. Obviously, well, that's not a problem so much here, but I've Well, seen it's it not a problem here because you have me. Exactly. Let's, let's be realistic. Yeah. You have a pastor that actually is not afraid to go out and talk to people. Right. Spend time learning about their faith. Spend time in there, and that that makes a big difference. Uh, most people walk into any conversation with a any denomination, whether they went from here to the Methodist, or they went from here to the Presbyterians, or the Anglicans, etc., and they go there with an inclination that they are wrong, and I am right. Yep. And when we do that, uh, then we leave no room for us to learn from what God is doing with his people. So what we end up with there, Cody, is we end up with a, with a collection of people that is afraid uh, that they may not have it all right. And what that does is show a true fear uh, in any church. Fortunately, we have a church here that takes on those challenges and... Uh, uh, so far, has not run me off, <laughs> right? But um, 
you know, when it comes to learning about uh, things, um, about other churches, a person should venture out and, and, and test waters with other churches. And one person, I hope, I hope to get even actually a couple other religions on here pretty shortly. I mean, we talk a lot about Lutheran faith. That's just because most of the people I'm hanging out with right now are Lutherans. But, you right. know, we also have other people coming onto the show here pretty shortly that are very non-denominational. We'll have some Seventh-day Adventists on here pretty soon. We'll go ahead and have uh, um, some... Uh, a guy that uh, is from the Baha'i faith. So you might want to research that up before he gets here because, well, I have questions for him, and his name is Lou. And uh, I did an interview with him a few years back, and we did not like how it was recorded, So, um, and we put it out there anyway, but we'd like to retry that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Him and I do not ag- agree on a, numerous things, but we definitely do not belittle each other. We're good friends. I've actually known some people that have grown up in the Baha'i faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know we're going to meet people of other faiths, but um, they're not people we avoid, right? Yeah. And no, I was really good friends with a, a Muslim kid in in college. Right. Right. And and we'll we'll come we'll come across those as, as we can. And the other thing I would like to get on the Barbarian Prophet uh, is. I would like to get us to a point where we are having more testimonies as well. And we have a few. I'd like to go down to the mission and start gathering up a few of those. Some some we can and some we cannot because yep. because of reasons, you know. So, I mean, you know, so you asked how it all started for me here to land in the Lutheran faith. One of the things is, is God called me into it. The other thing is, is that I am willing to learn the language the other thing is, is that uh, as I am here, I am trying to learn, gather, and explain the, some of the things that go on here to other people as well. Do I think all uh, Lutheran churches are the same? What there's a couple hundred of them, or just short of a couple hundred different flavors of Lutheran in the United States? Yep. And just like if you go to Methodist church or you go to uh, non-denominationals are different building to building and we're different building to building. Why? Cause we're all human beings. Right. Okay. So there's that. So, um, what has been like the greatest similarity between the background that you've come from and coming into the Lutheran and on the Christian end? Yeah. Oh, uh, the, the biggest thing is Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior Obviously, throughout yeah. all of them, yeah. right? And the other part of that is is that uh, just uh, a straight-up learning um, uh, the Word of God is very, very consistent. There are people that try to uh, take things out of context all the time, um, but uh, you have a really difficult time with me on that because I spend a great deal of time in the Word. And it isn't that I can't get caught or it isn't that there's times that people ask me questions because that's one of the things we do at the mission is they'll ask me a question. And if I can't prove it out through the Bible, I'll flat tell them, I don't know. We're going to have to find that one out. So we'll all start digging together and see if we can find the answer and try to answer the question the best we can as a collective. I'll tell you the same thing that um, that Pastor Rob said is uh, like was told to him. I may not have all the answers, so we'll wrestle it out together and both walk away with a limp. Yeah. Okay. So that's the best way to handle those. Yeah. Does that help? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what is something that you noticed right off the bat that caught off that caught your attention? You mean what did I like about this end of things or what? Um, like dislike, what is just what is something that just kind of just grabbed your attention right away? Well, I would say that uh, coming into all churches, um, usually pay attention to a few things. One, are they preaching the word? Okay. And as long as they're preaching the word, I'm good. Uh, secondly, uh, how do they treat communion? You know, and is it open communion, closed communion? And if it's closed communion, why? Um, the other thing is, how do they treat and understand baptisms? The other thing that I look for in churches is how, what is their concept of their faith? Okay. And so one thing that I came in here is they proclaim to be one thing. And as I, I dug deeper amongst the people, I found that there was uh, things that we needed to work on and grow in. And everybody does. I mean, I don't care what church you belong to. You have things that you all need to grow in as a people. Absolutely. I mean, no one's perfect. That's the whole point of needing saved, right? Right. And not only that, there not everybody has all of the all of the information. Right. Here's I have big chunks of information, but I don't have it all. Right. And uh so I try to treat everything and every situation with uh I'm learning and gaining something new. So I ask lots of questions. The one thing I guess that grabbed my attention the most is how much uh they, uh, the people of this church, as well as many others, that they they have a specific way of doing things, and they they do it, regardless. Even if you ask them why are you doing that, and they say because we have always done it. And I'll you know I'll go into some of the other churches, into some of the Pentecostal churches, or some of the non denominational churches, and you ask them why do you guys have you know why do you set your communion out on side to side because that's how we've always done it. Well. Do you pray over it? No, no, we don't. And this is what we believe about the communion. So, you know, you you when you talk to them, you find out that most of them they just um, they've always done it that way. So they kind of lose it. And see, and that's a sad religious part of things. Mm-hmm. And we should not be a sad religious people because right now in society, Cody, and I'm going to go off here for just a sec. I'm going to go off of your grid. But right now in a society, we have everybody trying to be super spiritual. And they're so afraid to offend everybody, but they're not afraid to offend God. And they're not afraid to seek out their own belief system and find their own truth instead of seeking Jesus Christ, who is the truth. Mm -hmm. And um, what happens when churches start to get off track, and I'm not saying this one was, I'm saying when churches or people start to get off track, that's what happens. They start seeking out their own truth. That's why it is very important to have a pastor that's trained, and uh, that's why you don't want to leave a church uh, empty too long, from the pulpit empty too long, because uh, it can lead to a great demise of a church, as we're seeing. Yeah. Right now, I mean, you you know, you have on average of every week 300 pastors across the United States are retiring every week, and there's nobody to replace them. Yeah. So we're watching church denominations die, and we've, we've seen uh, increasingly uh, large amounts of denominational churches perish uh, in big cities where they're buildings have been sold and become bars 
where there is people that uh, end up having uh, uh, moving several churches together uh, from a community because they need to be. And one of the other things that happens there is they have a uh, a tendency that they will not leave their building because they grew up in that building. The other thing is, is they hang on to that denomination because they don't know any other denomination, so everything else must be wrong. Yeah. Okay? Why, why do people stay at a table that Jesus would have flipped over? That would be the big question. Because there's a whole lot of that going on right now in the world. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I'm listening. What's your next one? <clears throat> um, he has none of these wrote down. He's no. looking around <laughs> in his mind. Yeah. Uh, what? What is like the biggest piece of advice that you could give someone who's like teetering on that edge of, you know, I, I'm feel like I'm strong in my faith. I, I don't know um, if if I'm f- being called to be a pastor or not. Like, what is the biggest, like, what things should someone who's, like, questioning a call look for? There's your Lutheran terminology again. What about a call? And other pastors are like, what the heck is he talking about? So here's the deal. Is that, number one, a call should be definitely uh, start from uh, knowing your word and um, and the Lord calling you. And then what gets affirmed is a church calls you. I mean, that is the way that works on this end. But here here's my key piece of advice is start to understand what a pastor is, okay? Because here's the biggest problem. In today's society, the current church world is 99% of people that are called pastors are not pastors. They're preachers. They are evangelists, Mm -hmm. okay? Now, what the Bible tells us is that we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers or, or pastors, and teachers, okay? Now, what happens with the apostle, he is the one that establishes things. He is the one sent with authority. We have one in our denomination he is called the bishop he is the authority and he establishes authority when new people come up in the church etc and he points directions uh in uh, a lot of non-denominational churches that there are connected with other churches they'll have apostles between them in fact there is a whole collective of people called the international apostolic council okay okay and then when you have a prophet, a prophet isn't somebody that's fortune-telling you anything. That would be the epitome of wrong. What he does is point the direction. But everything that he does will always come straight from, it will be able to be verified through the word. He will never, ever speak outside of the word. The reason that he won't is because he is there to edify the church and to build it up. And there, you know, people that go, well, the prophets all died when John the Baptist died. Well, the problem with that is if they read the book of Acts, which I know you have been through with me recently, we see that there are actually people that are called prophets and women called prophetess. <coughs> Sorry about that. And then the other thing that happens is when we, we bounce down the road 
to looking at uh, the evangelist. Now, the evangelist is that person that stands up and starts explaining and telling you the word and calling people to Christ. He points out what sin looks like. He shows you what grace looks like. He starts doing all those type of things. And that is what generally happens from the pulpit. And then you have the next one, which is a pastor, and a pastor is a shepherd of people. So what he does is take care of them. So I guess my first question would be to the person, do you feel you're called to be a pastor, meaning care for a flock of people or etc.? And last but not least, uh, there on the, the small end of things is the teacher. And all of us are called to be that, but there are some people that are really specifically called to that. So to answer your question, here it is. How do you know that you're being called to it? Because I have hundreds of people tell me every year, I'm going to be a pastor. And I tell hundreds of people every year, don't do it. Now, the reason that I do that, I want to just kick out there, is because most people get very fired up. I, want, I, I look for them. Are they looking to be an authority? Because that's what most of them want to do is whatever they preach, they want people to listen to them, hear them. They want to be famous. They want to be, um, you know, they want to sit out there. Most of my good friends that I have helped through to become pastors did not stay pastors for five years. Most of them, they took the call thinking that that was life, and then they discovered that on the other end of a call is there's people. Right. It isn't all about Jesus. It's about how you're going to manage people. Right. And if you were not established in well-managing of people on small ends, I mean like managing kids, Sunday school stuff, or you're not managing a job or a profession or stuff to that effect, you might find that managing a church is very, very, very difficult because the church is a whole different ball of wax when it comes to managing. So does that answer your question? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Well, yeah. I don't know if it answers it the way you want it, but, you know, most people think they want to be a pastor, Cody, and most people don't have a – Understand? I mean, you're going to have to sit there and listen to people tell you how wrong you are, right? And how how they weren't raised this way, and about how you're stepping out of line with uh, uh, their traditions, uh, stuff to that effect. You'll have people that'll come into your office and close the door and spend two, three hours telling you everything wrong about you. And there'll be days that you definitely are over it. There will be days that you are like, man, I do not have to continue to tolerate this. And you'll have to have somebody to boo-hoo to. And then he will, it'll be me for you. You'll call <laughs> me and you'll start crying. I mean, and you like, bird, these people. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with these people, bird. I'm going to kill them all. No, man. You, you, and you know what I'm going to tell you, brother? I'm going to look you at your face and I'm going to say, nobody cares. Work harder. <laughs> And the reason nobody cares and you have to work harder is because you're not working for them. You're working for the kingdom, and right. that means you're not going to have everything work out right. Right. 
what you got to do is continue to work for Christ. And at that point, you do have to change your mindset. And uh, you have to take physical care of yourself, for starters, and uh, mental care and spiritual care of self yep. in order to deal with that collective of people. Does that help? Yeah. Um, so next thing, um, one of the things that, you know, I have found really enlightening since, um, meeting you is. Okay. Everybody do not pay attention to this. That's part mute, (laughs) mute it, turn it down for a minute. We all know how these stories turn out. And then my life got different. (laughs) Um, you know, I've always grown up knowing that there's like spiritual warfare and everything and but never really learning like what my part in that was. Um and I think it's been really interesting to to learn that, you know, sometimes a, a dream is not just a dream, sometimes it is just a dream. That's very true. And sometimes there are the the things that we think are going wrong are um, in being intentionally made to go wrong. <laughs> and and you're, you're talking about in the physical realm as well as the spiritual realm. Right. Well, you know, most people, uh, especially in uh, heavy older uh, denominational churches, um, I will say you have a collective that uh, believe that the spiritual realm exists. It just doesn't exist for them. Uh, the thing that I definitely have learned in coming into my Christian faith is it was very easy for me to understand the demonic because I used to worship the demonic. Right. So understanding and being around them did not trouble me. I knew their authority, power, but what I had discovered is the true power of Jesus Christ and to see the Holy Spirit in actual action and uh, to see demons uh, removed from people, etc. That does not scare me to talk about. I've had upper echelon of this denomination talk to me about being involved in exorcisms, etc. Now, one thing that I will say this is uh, uh, for an exorcism, an exorcism is much different than deliverance. And uh, where we always start with that is doing an evaluation of the person. Do we need to work with broken hurts? Okay. That's, we start to deliver them from that. Or does a person have a mental issue? Is there, are they on medications? Have they ever seen a doctor? Does this make sense? Right. Okay. Not everything requires a demon to be tossed out of a human being. But right. there are those times. Now, I am the kind of person that I end up being around those kind of situations. Why? Because because Jesus, that's why. Because God, he puts me in those situations. And you see a person that is flooded. You know, I haven't watched this movie Nefarious yet. But uh, just the clips that I've seen of it, I'm like, that's spot on. That's spot on right there. I haven't seen the the Pope's Exorcist either. I'm not a, a horror movie guy. Me neither. Okay, because uh, um, you deal with enough of it on your own. You uh, you don't want to uh, be. In, it's not entertaining. Right. It's not entertaining. So, 
I kind of avoid some of those. But uh, those are a couple of things that interest me that I'll probably take in. Nefarious is done actually by a Christian, and it's taken kind of a screw tape letters from C.S. Lewis thought process and put into a film. And I would recommend that if a pastor is out there and watch, he should probably watch that without his people and then decide whether his church is capable or uh, uh, is can comprehend what's going on there. So do you think our congregation could comprehend what is going on there? Do you remember the first time I mentioned demons in this church? No, I don't actually. You don't? Well, I had uh, been preaching here, and they had just hired me. It was in January okay. of last year. And uh, I and we talked about uh, the um, uh, the man in in chains. I, I I just went blank on the address for it, uh, but the man in chains that was living amongst the the uh, tombs, and that he had legion in him. And at the end of church, I said, anybody interested in learning more about casting out demons or understanding oh. demon possession? Do you remember this? Yes, I do now. Yep. Okay, I said, you can meet with me in the chapel, because you ran actually the Bible study. I said I was hijacking your Right, yeah. Your your study. So I went there and thinking we would have one or two people show up and we got a little overran with people wanting to know what that meant. Yeah. And I thought that they were coming in to kind of go, We don't talk about that here, we don't do that here, etc. No, they wanted to know what how do we know when a person is demonically possessed or they're just a drug addict or they're just needing help. Right. And so we walked them through a process. So do I think our church is ready for that? I think our church has been dealing with that for a long time. I can tell you if you're if you're a Lutheran that goes all the way back to Martin, uh, as well as if you come out of that uh, any of that type of faith, uh, they have people specifically for that. This denomination, the NALC, actually has a guy that has written books on it. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've Philip Ganyan is his name, and if you can get his books right now, they're hundreds of dollars, <laughs> which is crazy to me because yeah. I mean I've talked to the guy; he needs to re-release his stuff because we are living in a time where that is needed, even if he just releases it within the church body, right? And uh, in in this denomination's body, anyway, because <clears throat> there are certain things that he learned from the Vatican. And and priests do deal with this stuff. Understanding what an exorcism is. Let's let's hit that. Or did you want yeah, to cover that? Go. Okay, an exorcism literally means <clears throat> it's a Latin phrase and it means to be bound by oath. Okay? This is the keys of the office in which we are handed when we become a pastor. And that's why it's necessary to have the right person in authority that comes against a demonic force uh, to do so. Because so often people will step up and they will uh, start through a process and end up with a problem themselves. Yeah. Are you with me? Uh, stepping up, making sure you have proper proper authority and people watching over what you're doing. And also making sure that at the end of it, you go to a confessor. Because you can easily get bitten in the midst of all of this. And I've been bitten to where it took me a couple of years to recover. Um, because I, I, I 
I mean, it caused a lot of problems. It caused right. a lot of problems in my life, and it caused a lot of things because it opened up wounds in me that I thought had long since been sealed and uh, and dealt with. And uh, it went in there and just ripped me to shreds. So, I mean, when it comes to uh, some of these guys that are online, and I respect them, I respect them enough to not throw out their names, but they have a tendency to talk to people, or at least when they first started their ministry, they would talk to people about, you can do this, and you should be doing that, and you as a Christian should be jumping in here and doing this. Actual uh, working with uh, casting small things off, etc., sometimes if you are not following up with what how things should be buttoned up, you're inviting more demonic presences back into that person. Right. There's a reason I do not do it at the prison or at the jail because if I did it in there, how do I how do I help the person come to know Christ better and be sealed in the Holy Spirit by sending him back into jail cells packed full of these things? Right. So all I would do is be killing him. That would be a horrific thing to do. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, I don't mind talking. We can talk about uh, this all the time. I will say this is that probably real honestly – 97% of the people that I meet, they either need medication, good counseling, or they just need simple deliverance. Now, there's the th- 2 to 3%. Now, Cody, that's different. And, and you, when you're around it, uh, it is something you have to deal with. I am never terrified when dealing with it. I'm never terrified. And the reason is because Jesus Christ... Jesus Christ is definitely at the center of taking care of all those things. Holy Spirit starts to tell me what to say, what to do, and in those moments. And it is God dealing with those things, not me. I just happen to be the vessel in which is being properly loved through in that time in order to save that person. And it isn't me saving them. It is Jesus Christ himself and his grace saving them. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about some freak medical things. (laughs) Okay. I don't know where this is going, but I'm, I'm listening there. I, I've never been interviewed on my own show before. So this is, this is different for me, man. So, uh, you know, um, Sometimes we have these these freak medical incidents uh, similar to what I personally experienced not too long ago. Um, and, you know, there's these things that start to reveal themselves during the process, right? Okay, you we're going to have to get into a little bit more detail here. Okay. <clears throat> so... You let let's just take you okay. make it make it an example of you. Okay. okay, so explain to me what happened to you. You were at work and you collapsed and had a seizure. What we believe to be called a seizure because right. that's what it appeared. I'm still debating that. Right. Uh, the other thing that happened is that you did go unconscious and yep. uh, you were not able to regain your consciousness. Right. Okay. For 22 hours. <clears throat> For 22 hours. And then you opened up your eyes and you saw me. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome back. <clears throat> that is true fear that was on his face in that moment. 
But anyway, let's bounce off to it. So now that we've got that on on the table, tell me what you're looking for. Where do you want to go with so, this? So, um, you know, there's these people, they, they never have any kind of family history, never have any kind of medical history. Um, for all intents and purposes, they're healthy, right? And then suddenly something happens that brings their health crashing down around them. Okay, so key thing I think you're looking for here is uh, do I consider that to be a demonic attack? Yeah. I do believe that sometimes what we have in there is we, we give the demon sometimes too much credit, okay? But I do believe that sometimes, and I'm not going to say with every, you have to take each case-by-case case basis. Right. There may be, if there, if when the doctors, like in your case, cannot find exactly what is medically wrong, they start making stuff up. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, uh, okay, number one, you're healing too fast. I know that guy came in and prayed over you and cast some things off of you and said said some weird stuff, and he left, and then you got better, and that doesn't make sense to us, so... We're not going to agree with him, right? <laughs> right. Is yeah. that what happened? I mean, they not explicitly, but, you know, yeah. Pretty dang close. Yeah. Okay, so what the deal is, is I believe sometimes that we have so many things that we hold on to ourselves that it eventually attacks us. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that is uh, where we start holding. I'm not saying this is your case. I'm just saying this in general. Um let me give you some examples. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Now, you're in a very deep one there, so let's go with something a little lighter. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, so a person comes to me, and they've got a sore neck, and they, they can't hardly move their head, and they've, they've been having some problems, et cetera. And they say, Bart, I need some help. And I say, okay, man. So the number one thing that I know and I realize right away is this problem is is more than just the pain in the neck. Okay? There's actually a problem here. So... I start praying. I start praying before I, while they're talking, I am praying. I am praying to myself, and I am, Lord, show me what's going on here. And he'll say things to me like, ask him about his sister. I say, go. So let me ask you real quick, what about, how's, how's your sister doing? And he'll go, uh, what does she have to do with anything? I don't talk to her. Oh. Well, what's going on? Well, she, you know, what what we got there is she thinks that mom left her this, but I th- those dishes are my dishes, and I, I say, oh, I said, well, was it left and right? Yeah, but I, those old, very old. Those mom told me I could have those, you know, and starts going on and on and on, and I'm like, oh, the stiff neck is he's a stiff neck person, unwilling to turn and look at the reality of things. Are you with me? Right. So what we got to do there is say, hey, listen, I want to heal your neck. But what we need to do is do some forgiveness real quick to free your neck. Okay, well, what do I got to free? I got to free you. Got to free your sister. I don't want to free her, man. She holds my, she's holding all of this stuff. So oh, you really want to hang on to that? So we start through this whole process. Does this make sense? Right. We start through a whole process. And what ends up happening is a person eventually, you know, you do a little thing with them there. You say, hey. I need to remove this from your neck, so let's do this. And we start praying over it. And because they're having a physical reaction to a spiritual reality. Does that make sense? Right. Okay, same thing is true when we start taking a look. Now, when we get to a bigger thing such as yours, it's not just a simplicity of, 
Well, Cody had a couple of problems and, and got taken down. I think Cody probably had a lot of things going on around his life, too much pressure from school, too yeah. many classes, too too much from his job, yep. too much from his work. Yep. I think everything finally came to a point where his body said, I'm done. Because sometimes we can overload ourselves. You want to know what I call that? What? Self-serving. Because you're afraid to say no to anybody, so you did all so much. And so what you brought yourself to a point where your body had to say, I'm going to have to tell you no. Okay, I can see you deep thinking now that people are still listening. Okay. Okay, so, but that happens with people on occasion. Right. The other thing I think does happen, now I'll go to a demonic presence. There are times that what we end up with happening is we have uh, we have people that are physically attacked. Um, uh, I've had it happen numerous times, uh, you know, uh, just before we pulled off Pentecost here. Uh, what ends up happening is uh, my wife will tell you that it's not uncommon to have me wake up screaming in the middle of the night because – is spiritually I'm seeing something, you know, come at me, etc., and uh, I'm fighting and fighting like crazy, and uh, she'll wake me up. And the reason that stuff like that happens is because sometimes we are under a demonic attack, and sometimes it's just a bad dream. Okay, so uh, you do have people that end up physically attacked for for numerous different reasons. I don't know if that helped all of your questions, but I'm, I'm trying here, bud. Okay. Um, so uh, the one thing that, you know, growing up in the Lutheran church again, uh, we always say we believe in miracles, but when miracles happen, we have such a tendency to doubt. People always want to doubt Jesus. Yeah. What we want is the doctors to be the one to explain it. Right. You want to know why? Because you can see the doctors. Yep, and you worship them. You trust them. You trust them more than you trust God. And so people all the time, they don't want to accept a miracle. They'd rather accept something else being wrong with them than that. There is a reason that Jesus would tell people, do not go back into that city. Yeah. Because if they did, they would start to believe what the people said about them. Mm-hmm. You can't be healed. You're still blind. Right. You only think you can see. You're still blind. No, no, I'm positive you're blind to the point where the person becomes blind again. There's all kind. Of, I have watched people. I have watched people recover from multiple sclerosis. This is no joke. Recover from multiple sclerosis, and then you see them two years later, and they're back at, oh, I had another attack. You had another attack. You were, The doctor said you were healed. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not anymore because it becomes such a part of their identity as well. Mm. God can heal things. Sometimes people don't really want healed. Yeah. And then here's the other thing is you have a people you have a tendency where people show up and this this especially goes on in the non-denominational churches and the and the heavy pentecostal into churches where they want to see the miracle themselves in order to and I've even had guys tell me well I want to be a healer. Oh you, you want to do the healing? I do. 
and they travel and they do everything under the sun to become the healer. Well, there's only one that does the healing. His name is Jesus, and you ain't going to become him. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that's where they get into that sensationalism, and they'll step in and do that. You know, most of the time, why most people do not see miracles because they want to see it for themselves. Yeah, they're not asking God, "Am I supposed to do this?" I think we saw the the rawness of the reality of that when we in the Jesus Revolution. Uh, yeah, when uh, when uh, Lonnie started. Just going, I we need to heal some people tonight and stuff. Yeah, and that that's true to where he it became part of his identity to see people healed. Right. Yep. Um. So, what are because I think we're about to wrapping up. Yeah, you got about you got about six minutes here. Okay. Um. So just uh, one more question, but it's got to be a really good one. Okay. Because you got you've had me all over the place with demonic stuff and everything else, and I'm ready. Okay, what is the one psalm in the Bible that you go to when you need to find comfort and relief from everything? The maelstorm that's going on around you. I have a couple, but I have a key one, a key one that I am always going to. And it is Psalm 27. And uh, my Bible is sitting right here next to my desk. And uh, because of how Psalm 27 starts out, and I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but it is Psalm 27 is what I go to. And I've went to since I first came to Christ. And it says, the Lord is the light of my and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength. Uh, is the, yeah, let's start this whole thing over again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Because I don't have anything to fear. I mean, I have fearless tattooed on my forearms. When that fearless got tattooed on my right forearm there, it wasn't that I don't ever get shook up, because I've been shook up under a lot of things, man. Yeah. But when you are fearless, that means you are faith-filled. I know that Christ can overcome anything that I am against. Hence the thing, when I get down and depressed, and my good buddy comes over and says, nobody cares, work harder, it's because he doesn't mean that to be mean. He means that to, you t- You signed up to do what Jesus called you to do. Either you're going to do it or you're not. Right. I mean, because here's the reality. is The world sees Christians as a bunch of cupcakes, man. This is no joke. Yeah. Uh, they, see, they see Christians as these people that are uh, easily pushed over, taken advantage of, uh, that, they, that they, that's the way they view them. That is not true by any stretch of imagination, but that's what they see. And, you know, one of the things that I, and I've talked about this at a couple of the talks I've had lately in different churches, et cetera, uh, including this one, is that I had some kids tell me that they 
did not want to become Christians because they saw Christians with no backbone. And when I asked them, what, what, would, what do you mean by that? They said, you, uh, you have that book. I've read it. And they're pointing at my Bible. And I said, okay. And they said, you don't believe any of it. I said, I don't. And they said, no, you do. But most Christians don't because they try to negotiate with the world all the time. And I was like, wow, this is a 17-year-old kid talking to me. Actually, two of them. And the whole process was there is that they see us as weak people because we do not stand truly on the Word of God, not being violent and being aggressive with it, but not allowing the things in there that are called sin to be in our church. Right. And being more concerned about, you know, we've been really good as Christians, and I am a king. I am the king in this one here. I will, I will stand up for my faults and say I am guilty of this. But where we have shown the love of Jesus so much that we have not shown the fear of the Father. And we, in some churches, have shown the power of the Holy Spirit so much that we haven't shown a reverence for Jesus and his sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Are you with me? Yep. We are in a time right now in the church, and I'll just say this flat out, is, is, and I will suffer whatever attack comes from this from anybody that disagrees with me. I do not care. But we are at a time and a place in the church where we need to understand that God, the Father, is the place we're headed. We're not worried about going to heaven. We're not worried about paradise. We're not worried about any of those other things. And the only way we're going to get to the Father is for us to go ahead and travel through the only gate there is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, is what Jesus says. You are not going to get to the Father without him. You have to step into that. And then the other thing is, is we need to understand what propels all of our life. And the point and the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make us Christ-like, meaning that we become obedient to the Father to the point where when we are listening to him, to the point to where when we surrender our identity of self into the identity in who Christ has called us to be, then we serve the triune Godhead. Are you with me? Right. Now, I know that there are people out there who will probably disagree very heavy with this, or they'll stand firm and go, we don't do that, or we do do that, or they say whatever they want to say. You justify anything you need to in your mind. But I'm going to tell you right now, salvation does not come between your ears. It comes in your heart. And the only way that you're going to have a heart that is correct is if Jesus Christ changes that heart. Because he's the only heart changer. Mm -hmm. Are you with me? And then you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, just as he was when he was baptized. And then last but not least, and one of the most important things is, is in afterwards, do we reflect the Godhead in all that we do? Are we being creative, for starters? Are we being loving to our neighbors, secondly? Are we exercising ourselves in a manner in which is appropriate in every way with God? Now, one of the things that has driven me absolutely nuts from several denominations is uh, the sheer fact that they're so afraid to tell you uh, anything about doing good works 
And I and I'll tell you, I learned this in my Bible college too, man. There was struggle with that in my Bible college. Is that you cannot you cannot do good works uh, and get anywhere. That's fine, but you should do good works because you have Jesus in you. Right. Your neighbors prosper because of Christ in you. The world prospers because of Christ in you. Everything around you gets healed, changes because of Christ in you. It's nothing you are doing, but it is everything he's doing. Let me tell you what, if you think for two seconds that there aren't people out there that miss the good things they're supposed to do because they're so focused on self, then I don't know what to tell you. Because I've made those mistakes countless times. Right. Well, I think it's not always so focused on self as it is so focused on on not living to self. That's a sin too, <laughs> right? I mean, you guess you, it goes both ways. You get so caught up on one end and so caught up on the other end, and then you completely miss what you're supposed to be doing in the middle. That's because our focus is not on who it's supposed to be focused on. And here's the thing. He does want us to keep an eye on him, but he also wants us to pay attention to what he's saying. Right. And that becomes a a key and critical thing. So, well, how are you going to close out your show? Well, I am. Hey, so I just want to thank you for letting me be a guest on the Barbarian Prophet today. I've uh, really enjoyed my time with you. And my last piece of advice to people would be this. Buy my book. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess my last piece of advice would be this, is honestly to start looking for uh, a church where you are taught the truth. But the other thing is, uh, worry about your relationship with with the entire triune Godhead, with the Trinity. Make sure that you are truly seeking out each and every part of them. Mm-hmm. So thanks, thanks for your time today, Cody. I appreciate you letting me be on your show. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, I'd be more than happy to ask for all of your questions. So just reach out, let us know, and we will make sure you get the answers that you're looking for. For questions or comments, please email us at info at thebarbarianprofit.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness and the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. Well, if you guys have anything that you need help with, if you are struggling with any mental illness or anything, definitely um, reach out. Uh, You can always call the Suicide Prevention Hotline 988 um, if you have any questions. And and make sure that you're getting the help that you need to take care of yourself. And don't be afraid to set boundaries with your work life and with your personal life so that you have the time that you need to heal yourself.